Welcome to Breaking Geek, Breaking Bad podcast from Geek Girl Soup. And this is our our very last episode. No, it isn't. Well, the, the last... We're, we're doing a, a wrap-up, a series wrap-up. But... That would make this not the very okay. last episode. <laughs> but it's the last Breaking Bad episode that we're talking about, right? The last okay. single episode. I'll buy that for a dollar. You, you, you can start over now. <laughs> no, we can, we're good. I don't have to start over. We're, I know you're good. Start over. <laughs> <laughs> whatever dude <sighs> yeah 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 we're almost done with scott too <laughs> and scott couldn't be happier about that well that's fantastic <laughs> move it along <laughs> <laughs> and if you've forgotten who we are i'm susan i'm chris i'm kelly and i'm scott yeah <laughs> <laughs> We're still temporarily missing Amelia. Hi, Amelia. Yeah. No easy A. Yep, she just moved. She'll be back with us again soon. She'll be easy back with open. us for the uh, series wrap-up. Cool. cool. Uh, Which would be our last episode. Yes, our last Breaking Geek episode. So we'd also like to uh, give a shout-out to some of our friend, uh, our friends out there in podcast land. Uh a couple of Sons of Anarchy podcasts, uh, but of course the Watchers of Anarchy and the Nattercast. And Nattercast, it's also they also just wrapped up their last Breaking Bad podcast, and so now they're um, Sons of Anarchy. And then when American Horror Story starts, they'll be doing that. And so uh, Watchers, you can find at WatchersOfAnarchy.com and on Facebook. Uh, watch, uh, Watchers of Anarchy, Nattercast.com, uh, and they have a page and a group on Facebook also. It's lots of fun. So, but tonight we are here talking about the final episode of Breaking Bad called Felina. It was, and we found out why. That's right. At first it was written and directed by Vince Gilligan. And why 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 is it titled Felina? Well, there had been lots of speculation beforehand, right? And uh, <laughs> I, I really well, first of all, everyone was saying it's an anagram of finale, which Vince Gilligan admitted, yes, it is. And then there was speculation. I remember Susan, you'd posted about this. Um, F E is iron, L I is lithium. And NA is sodium, so blood, meth, and tears, <laughs> the <laughs> predominant element in, in blood, meth, and tears, predominant elements. But it turns out that it's, it, it may be all of those things, but it's also from the Marty Robbins song, El Paso, that is playing when Walt starts the Volvo that he mm-hmm. steals, the the first stanza. And I... I guess it was growing up in Texas, or I don't know, because my parents lived, I, not lived, listened to country music all the time, but I used to know all of these lyrics. Was that just me, or did y'all know them too? Yeah, it was, it was just you. <laughs> totally just you. <laughs> I don't know them anymore, but when I looked them up, like, oh my God, yes, and then I could just start singing along, which I'm not going to do. But um, Felina yes, is... Sing along the- is later. Okay, yeah. All right, I'll save it then, yeah. Need a few more Kronos before then. Um, Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican girl. Nighttime would find me in Rose's Cantina. Music would play and Felina would whirl. 
the stanza that we hear when Walt starts the car, and yes, I'm jumping ahead a tiny, tiny bit, mm-hmm. is I saddled up and away I did go, riding alone in the dark. Maybe tomorrow a bullet may find me. Tonight nothing's worse than this pain in my heart. And uh, really just awesome setting of the tone for the rest of the um for the rest of the episode. But I'll back up just a sec. Can can I say yeah. one thing about the song though? Absolutely. Um, because and I didn't and I myself did not know this until last night. Um, you do realize the song does reappear later in the episode as well. Yes. Okay. I I did not realize that. I was trying to figure it out, but I was mm-hmm. told by someone last night that was the You mean when, case. when Walt is singing it? Yes, I, I could not tell yeah. us what he was singing until oh, someone yeah. pointed it out to me, which is awesome. The the benefits of yeah growing up knowing the words to the song. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am recognized now, it. I am now that just. was perfect because yeah he he it just it it was his little earworm <laughs> just stuck with uh, him. Yeah, it, it, it's well, that's all he had to listen to all the right. way from New Hampshire to freaking uh, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also reminiscent of that episode uh, from a couple seasons ago. Was he singing like a horse with no name? And he was hearing it, and then he kept singing oh, it for the rest of the episode. Yeah. So it yeah. kind of reminded me of that. That's one of many callbacks in this episode, I thought. Yeah, true. Well, it was also um, cute about this using this song is um, the the I in the song, you know, the narrator of the song, leaves El Paso um, and goes to. New Mexico. He, okay. he gets out of town after he kills a cowboy who looked at Felina <laughs> lustfully. And um, so, of course, Walt did the opposite. He let he didn't go to El Paso, of course, but, you know, he left New Mexico. So that was a, a neat tie in as well. Yeah, no, he um, went to New Mexico. Sorry, went back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Went back to New Mexico. Okay. So what I found I mean, one of the things, oh my God, we, we could, of course, just sit here and just keep saying awesome episode, perfect episode, whatever, over and over again without really going into details. But one of the things, like right off the bat, is that it started answering questions. And the very first one being, it, there were people, maybe we were asking last week, or certainly people on Facebook were asking, how does he get a car to get from New Hampshire back to New Mexico? You know, there was talk about, does he buy one or whatever? Well, so he steals one. Um, did he go back to the to the cabin? Yes, he went back to the cabin and he got his money. So all of those things get answered. Right away, it's the Volvo. Um, I loved the um, the police car lights that, that we could see, you know, barely behind him. And um, what really got to me during that scene, Walt in the car, was his under-the-breath prayer that he says, please just get me home, or please get me home, please just get me home, I'll do the rest. And I, I don't remember, he certainly may have, but I'm not remembering another time in the series where he did a little prayer type thing like that. Do y'all? I don't remember any. He may have when he was locked, when he was uh, out in the desert with, with mm-hmm. Jesse, but True. like I, I, I don't remember specifically him praying. Yeah. yeah. So he may have, but this, this really grabbed me because it was like he was admitting that he didn't have control there. He really, really wanted to get back. But you know, Scott, how you keep referring to the best decisions that get made in the show. 
are made without emotion. And to me, that was a sign that he was really keeping his emotion under control. He clearly desperately wants to be back, to get back to New Mexico. He's not finished yet, but he was keeping it in check. And then, oh my God, he is rewarded. The police drive away. He um, pulls down the windshield wiper. I thought that was funny. And and not wiper, uh, sorry, sun visor. And um, there are the keys. And he starts the car, bangs on the window, gets the snow off. And there's the, the El Paso song playing. Yeah. I'd like to Love point it. out, however, that in that point, in that in that moment, Walt was not prepared to go out, or Walt was prepared to go out swinging. It's like mm-hmm. when he was laying back, he also tightened his grip on that screwdriver he'd found mm-hmm. in the That's right. in the glove yeah. compartment. So, yeah. like, if the cops had come, he was going to make a scene. He wasn't yeah. just going to walk away. And and bear in mind. The fact that the cops were there at all was due to his own, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. actions. Mm-hmm. He, he, he brought this upon himself and then changed his mind due to nothing but strong emotion in the bar. Mm-hmm. And now he's in one of those scenarios where he needs the luck of the devil. And the, and devil, <laughs> the devil pays off in spades. Yeah, <laughs> true. That's true. I, I, I actually wasn't um, considering that praying to the devil, but you're right. <laughs> I think he was. I um, think you're right. He was praying to God because. Well, you just pray. It doesn't have to be to just anyone. Pray. But, but like, yeah. if, if we go back to the fact oh, that he has the luck of the devil. <laughs> that's right. what yeah. I think he might have the luck of the devil, but he was praying to God. And I think from this point all the way to the very final shot of the episode, it's in, the implication is it, it's God's at work, not the devil. That's my yeah. my, my take on it, at least. That's a, a it, it's an it, yeah, that's a nice take. I like the idea. I mean, it's a bigger theme, but um, yeah, the idea of grace. You know, we've we've talked about it sort of in other forms over the past seven weeks. Um, and and obviously, as we go on through the our talk here, and at the end, we could really talk about redemption and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of like the first step on that path to grace or redemption or whatever it is. Y'all have anything else for now about that the the car scene with all that? Before I move on to Gretchen and Elliot. Well, okay. When he stopped for gas. Oh God! Watch. Yes. Oh my God! I'm sorry. My my notes here are screwed up. So yes. All right. I'd forgotten about that. I didn't forget. I just was looking well, at the wrong place. Well, stopping. Yes. Well, stop. Yeah, stopping for gas is what comes after the commercial. Yeah. Yes. And um and yeah. So we hear him calling, and it must be Gretchen and Elliot's uh, assistant, and he's pretending to be the New York Times uh, writer. And gets their address, and he's doing that all very smoothly. And of course, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh my God, you know, he's he's gonna go hurt them or kill them or whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, then he leaves the watch that Jesse had given him there. And I I watched a little snippet today online of Vince Gilligan talking about that. Mm-hmm. The real reason why. <laughs> yes, yes. So the I real that reason. was too funny. It was. <laughs> So the real reason, if other people haven't watched this, 
that they had him take the watch off and leave it there is because they had already filmed, you know, way in advance. I mean, it was over a year ago that we, our time, real time, real world, world time, um, that he was in the Denny's on his 52nd birthday. And in the, in the scene there, he's not wearing a watch. So they had to have him get rid of it at some point because he, he had it in this. Um, but then Gilligan also said that he added in this, you know, artsy part of it that Walt is heading back home. Ultimately, he know these are not Gilligan's exact words. Ultimately, Walt knows this is the end and he is going to die. He doesn't need the timepiece anymore. He, he doesn't need this. He doesn't need that attachment. He doesn't need to be tracking. Um, so, yeah, multiple reasons that he left it left mm-hmm. it there and then lots of people were wondering about that so thank goodness gilligan was able to answer it for us and it was a gift from his his enemy <sighs> yeah at that time. but what's interesting what what i don't personally buy about that part as much you know he left it there because it belonged to jesse um is that it's been months and he's been wearing it all this time so like exactly. why right now because right. he just noticed it yeah, continuity. Yeah. It was basically he was reaching up and writing on his arm, and there was the watch staring him in the face. And now yeah. that he's back in um, the place where he got it, I see. <laughs> yeah. Although there could be an implication, he's probably been wearing the watch for the last four months. So right, he has yeah. been and ha- not thinking about it. Right. Yeah, well, that's true. He... You... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a little thing. This yeah. is also the 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 spot where he, um, Gilligan says he wrote another scene that they didn't shoot. Ooh, what was that? Oh yeah, this was the uh, part where um, he gets noticed. Um, looking out the window, he sees a kid spotted him and clearly has spotted him with like recognition in his eye. So he goes in and he bribes the kid and tells him, you don't want me coming back here. And, um, it turns out that he, he recognizes this as one of his students, just like Jesse was. And so he asks him before he leaves. So, um, what kind of, he asks him, um, what kind of a teacher was I? And he's like, you were good. Uh, I remember you did that thing with the the fire where you sprayed the chemicals on it and it changed colors. Hmm. And uh, w- what did you learn from that? That certain types of chemicals will change the color of fire. <laughs> 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 well, that would have been funny, but it's, well, the threatening part. Um, well, they felt and, it was derivative, like a yeah. similar scene was coming up, and yeah. um, they didn't have the money or time. Oh, oh, okay. They didn't have the money to shoot it? No. They, it wow. was, it was you know, they don't shoot these things in order, and right, this was right. going to be extra, and yeah. they, real, they realized with the coverage they had, they didn't need it. It was an yeah. unnecessary scene, so they cut it. There's always been extreme budget issues on this show. We we like to think that there isn't, but the they're always tight for money, and you can thank AMC for that, generally speaking. Wow. Well. Well, we thank AMC for doing it. Period. Yeah, uh, very but, true. Well, and the apparently the viewership on Sunday night was what ten point three million. Mm-hmm. Right. Third highest cable episode or finale episode. Did y'all read that? Do y'all remember which it was? I, don't I think it was it. just. I think. It, I think it was in general, not just not specifically a finale. Not just finales, okay. There, yeah. there, have, there haven't been that many cable finales, so. Yeah. Still yeah. true. True. 
It's pretty I think awesome. It's like, I think it's like Walking Dead, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So, um, okay. Uh, so then, I, yeah. One one thing I'd like to when we found out who he was planning on paying a visit to, my mm-hmm. thoughts went to, oh my god, he is going to take them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. That to me set the tone of. I mean, my heart started pounding, especially yeah. then in the next scene where we see Gretchen and Elliot arriving at home and talking just, you know, silly nonsense. Who knows what they were talking about? Oh my god, <laughs> it was just so silly. They were and talking about food. No, yeah. I know, but it's just, you know, they're they're really rich and really smart. And so I thought it was funny that they were what they were talking about was just that silly. And the way they were talking about it, not the topic as much as the way they were talking. It just was um cute and funny, you know, just random mundane stuff. Um and but then like my heart really started racing when we saw Walt over there sitting in the dark as they go by and then they go in and as she as Gretchen turns off the alarm I guess um, Elliot had time to go over and immediately start playing classical music and then we as we see as I saw Walt closing that outer gate I honestly was thinking, is this going to be like a clockwork orange thing <laughs> with the classical oh, music <laughs> and the potential upcoming violence? Yeah. And um, I was really on the edge of my seat, just lots of tension. That's the the few notes yeah. that I took watching. That's and all I wrote there. G and E tension. One of the things that they said in the in the insider podcast about, you know, she was pressing all those buttons on the on the panel there. And so they thought, well, they had the music come on because, okay, she turned off the alarm and then she turned on some music and maybe some lights too, all from the panel. Mm, So she was, because normally, yeah, normally there's not that many buttons to press to turn off an alarm. True. Well, and so then interesting that with all of those, the alarm and the buttons and everything, they don't automatically lock the door when they come in and I, I guess there are people who do that go into their house leave the door unlocked and we all have a habit of locking the door when we come in but this obviously worked well writing wise and for Walt's sake that they did not lock the door um, so I, I loved when well watching Walt look at their house look at all of their stuff and um, at I definitely had a slightly different view of it in my first, you know, my live watch versus my rewatch the next day. The first time watching it, I was expecting there to be violence. And so what I thought from Walt is that, you know, he was looking around feeling even more regret and getting more resentful of them and and Mm -hmm. getting angrier at them. And I do think that all of that was there, but then knowing what ends up happening and upon my second time to watch it, um, I viewed it, his going, you know, looking at their stuff as more of yes, regret, but also some kind of longing, you know, knowing he could have had that. Mm -hmm. He didn't. And, 
as opposed to anger because you know yeah that that's what i was thinking too is he was as he was looking at the house and all their things their very nice things he was like i could have had this also with my family the way, yeah. the, way I, the way i phrase it was he's looking at what might have been yeah. yeah the way i thought about it was what the fuck are you guys doing in arizona <laughs> if you're affluent why are you spending that cash there <laughs> Because they have the amazing view of the Sangre de, de Cristos out yeah. wet out east. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know, fellas. Which, when... for people who don't speak Spanish, is the blood of Christ. I mean, it's like a mountain range or whatever, but literally <laughs> it means blood of Christ. And it's um, still New Mexico, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I believe. I, di I didn't look up where they are. Um, yeah, because they had moved to a different town, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah or certainly, yeah, different different house um okay so i no offense to people who live there no, no no i'm just wondering you know for the fun of it go ahead well, okay. some people love being in the desert so yep, yep so maybe um okay so gretchen turns around sees walt there shrieks elliot comes out and i, I who didn't love the line of Walt sighing at Elliot and saying, <laughs> Elliot, if we're going to go that way, you'll need a bigger knife. And I wish I could do it that just was, like he that did. That was great. <laughs> the way that he said it, you know, channeling Mike to some degree, yeah. but with this. Channeling Uncle Jack. That's yeah? Uncle Jack saying. No, really? I think I think it was Mike because remember it's Walt's habit of taking on qualities of those he has vanquished and killed, and this was his that was kind of like his Mike moment. Yeah, I thought Mike well, actually because used... he says it in a very laconic way. That's why it's very mm -hmm. Mike like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I well, thought the last Mike person... had actually the... said something like this at some point. I I couldn't find it. I didn't have time to do a complete rewatch of the Mike episodes <laughs> between Sunday night and now. But I thought that Mike said at some point something like that. Like, if we're going to go that way or if you're going to go that way. I thought well, the he last said time that we Walt. heard that phrase, Jack used it when he was talking to Walt about whether or not uh, he was going to take that one barrel that he pulled out. If, if this is going to go another way. I mean, oh, okay. basically, okay. Uh, you know, I know what you're saying, but it, I just didn't feel the line was the, the same mm -hmm. kind of a line and mm -hmm. it, it wasn't. So I'm okay. not, don't agree. But and quite frankly, what he's really doing, he's channeling Jaws from we're going to need yes. a bigger boat. So I think it's <laughs> like a knife. And I'm just glad, like I said last night, I'm glad he didn't go Crocodile Dundee and say, that's not a knife or something. Like right. <laughs> Skyler yeah. had a knife. Right. <laughs> that was a knife. Little, but that, but that's funny, knife. Susan, because that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. That he had already battled with a much bigger <laughs> knife and wife than that. So this was just going to be right. nothing compared to what he's already yeah. survived. That's why so. he's going to pop in a DVD. Watch this episode with me. See? Right. <laughs> Look what I did here. Yeah. Your impotence. <laughs> yeah. But the um, amount of fear he put in them was amazing. Yes. Come it walk was, with me to the car. <laughs> it was amazing. And I was still wondering what was going on then. But we didn't see, we did not yet see the 
the flash forwards from a year ago and from the beginning of this season. So I was wondering, you know, wait, I think uh-huh. he still has the Volvo, uh-huh. which means he doesn't have the, is what, what kind of gun is that again? I'm sorry. M60. M60. Okay. He, so if he still has the Volvo, he doesn't have the M60 yet. Therefore he's not going to be sh- shooting them up. And if he doesn't have the M60, he also doesn't have the ricin yet because it was the M60 mm-hmm. car that was parked outside of his house when he went in for the ricin. Right. So I started to calm down at that point that he, he wasn't going to take them out, but I didn't know what was coming when he said, yeah, let's take a walk out to the car. So the next scene, which I will turn over to, is it to you? Scott. Scott uh, was it is, it surprising. Well, let me just say that um, as I think several other people I've spoken to about this episode agree, this entire sequence or scene was probably the most surprising thing in the episode because, as we spoke about last week, I truly didn't think we were going to see Gretchen and Elliot in this episode. I thought they were just what lit the fuse in him. So I was truly shocked when they turned out to be in the first uh, act of this episode. Mm. Again, hats off to Gilligan for proving me wrong. I was just unbelievable. So when we do and, come back, I'm sorry, go on. And you, you we'll find out later in the episode, I didn't believe we would see the rest of the family, and, and you got me on that one. So, like, there was plenty of surprise for everybody. Right. Oh, that, that's, like, the best scene, but that's not not my scene. <laughs> no. My scene begins with the, uh, the Schwartzes are stacking up all that money from the trunk of uh, Walt's car. And we find out that it's $9,720,000, give or take. Now, Gretchen, and I think Gretchen's being a little silly here when she initially says, where did it come from and why is it here? Yeah, I uh, thought that was kind of stupid, the where did it come from. <laughs> you, you kind of know where it came from, you know. But Walt makes it very clear. And he's very stony-faced and grim during this entire scene. Like, I earned it. And you're going to give it to my children. So they start to object, especially Gretchen. She's a, she's a much stronger objector than her husband is. But Walt, he cuts him off. You know, he just starts to lay out his entire plan. He wants them to set up a trust for his son for his 18th birthday, which is going to be in 10 months and change. I didn't write down the exact... Oh, yes, I did. 10 months and two days. Um, but Gretchen continues, despite the fact there's a mass murder in her house, she continues to be adamant in her refusal. She's telling Walt that he should give his drug money to his kids himself, but he points out that he can't because his wife and kids hate him and they wouldn't take his money. And even if they did take the money, uh, the government's going to take it away from them anyway. But then he says, and he's kind of snide about this, and you can, now you're seeing the little anger and revenge in Walt about the, uh, the Schwartzes, the two rich benefactors known for their charitable endeavors. And he's kind of mocking their whole uh, $28 million charity for the uh, substance abuse centers thing. Just Gretchen, to clear your name. Right. So, so, but Gretchen, she's still not having any of this. She's going, she tries to say it's not going to make sense, but Walt counters that just like that. My children are blameless victims of their monstrous father, a man you knew quite well. And then he starts saying, you know, call it whatever you want, whether it be literal guilt or a bow jest or whatever. He just wants to make sure that his son gets this money, and he also wants to make sure that no matter what, whether there's taxes or lawyer fees or anything, not one dime 
comes from the the Schwartzes themselves. It all has to come from that one pile of money. Which goes to show you that after five seasons, no matter what else has happened, Walt is still unwilling to take a penny from the Schwartzes. <laughs> the, the ego pride thing is still at play with this man, no matter even if he is here to settle scores and get a little bit of redemption while he's at it. So they try to shake on it. And Elliot's, you know, I wouldn't say he's eager, but he's, you know, he shakes his hand. Gretchen still doesn't seem to even want to do that. So Elliot gives her a little nudge and she kind of just basically touches his hand or whatever. And can, can I point out here, this is yet another Jackism. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The shaking. Handshake. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. And, and as Walt, Walt takes a few steps, but then he pulls another one of his little mini Columbo moves where he stops and says, I can trust you to do this, right? And Elliot, <laughs> he says yes, but Walt doesn't seem so sure about that. And he turns around and he looks out towards the big window that's facing, you know, the Sangre de Cristos. And apparently it's facing somebody else because he makes a little signal with his hand. And the next thing you know, two red dots of light appear on Elliot and Gretchen's chest. They're kind of like what you associate with laser scope rifles. So they're kind of shaken about this. But Walt tells him to calm down, you know, just breathe. And he starts talking about how the fact that he had an extra $200,000, he would have loved to have been part of that big pile of money that's in front of him. But he decided to hire the two best hitmen west of the Mississippi. I love that line. It's something out of the Old West. It's, yeah. you know, I don't know, you know, I, I, I was like, wait, I was watching Hell on Wheels last night. What, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> but Breaking Bad has always been, they've always taken a few things from Westerns. So, well, absolutely. You know. oh, I, I, oh, I wasn't questioning it. I mean, Sergio Leone, <laughs> they owe so much to Sergio Leone for any number yeah. of episodes in Breaking yeah. Bad. So he starts to walk around them and he mentions that, you now whatever happens to me tomorrow, you know, those guys out there, those hitmen, they're still going to be out there. He makes it clear that he knows that his time is basically up, but if the Schwartzes don't follow his instructions, if his children, his family doesn't get that money, no matter where they go, he mentions a few places, but wherever they go, whether it's a day or a week or a year later, those hitmen are going to kill them. And then he does something that's really kind of funny. He walks behind them, and he's, <laughs> he becomes... He's, now he's playing up. His menacing tone is more comical than anything else. <laughs> uh, you know, there might be this, you might hear the scrape of a footstep behind you. And before you even know it, he says, pop, and he jabs their necks with his fingers, <laughs> scares the crap out of them. <laughs> Darkness. <laughs> so then he grabs their shoulders like an old buddy. <laughs> you know? And he says, cheer up, beautiful people. This is where you get to make it right. That was, that was fantastic. <laughs> Another great line. <laughs> it's, it's one of those moments as a writer, you can imagine when Gilligan was typing it, he probably just smiled to himself like, ah, that's just so funny. That's just so awesome. Mm -hmm. Because it was. Yes. At that point, Walt nods towards the window and those little red dots disappear. And then he leaves. Now outside, Walt's back in the Volvo. He, presumably he drives a little ways away from the house. And then, we, then he stops and two figures scurry over to the Volvo and get in. And they take off their mask. And oh my lord, it's Badger and Skinny Pete, which I was thrilled by. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, if my son yeah. hadn't been newly asleep, uh, well, you know, since 9 p.m., asleep in his room upstairs with the door open, I was about to go, woo! <laughs> when 
I saw them. I was so happy seeing them. I was so excited to see them, and you know, I mean, they're you know, they 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 are the, they provide us the levity that you you kind of want at this moment, even though Walt's been pretty funny himself right now. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, we realize it's Badger and Skinny Pete, and they hand over the the, the laser pointers. So we learned there weren't two hitmen; there were just these two schmucks outside with the little laser pointers that you screw with cats with and stuff. <laughs> what I, now? And then we get a, a classic little moment here because they're feeling kind of guilty and bad about what happened. You know, they think it was kind of shady, kind of in a morality way. <laughs> then oh my God, Walt, that was awesome. Then mm-hmm. Walt holds up two little bundles that are basically ten thousand dollars each. Like, how do you feel now? And immediately, <laughs> Skinny Pete is better, <laughs> and Badger's yeah, definitely improving. <laughs> Possibly the funniest line, just to deliver. Yeah, definitely improving. So, as they're counting and smelling, I noticed that uh, Skinny Pete was actually smelling the money, which is pretty funny. Uh, Walt says, "What's this I hear about Blue Mets still being out there? Have you heard anything? Is it still being sold?" And then we discover that Badger and Skinny Pete—they assumed that it was Walt was behind this all along, you know. And at that point. When I think when Skinny Pete makes a reference to it being just as good as before, even better, although he seems to want to walk that statement back right after he says it. Right. <laughs> Walt mutters Jesse. He realizes Jesse must be doing the cooking. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like it. Again, it's nice to see Badger and Skinny Pete because they're excited to hear that Jesse's still around. You know, <laughs> like, oh, except again, Badger with another great line. He's kind of annoyed that he wishes a brother could have thrown him a bone. Right. <laughs> so they're all happy that Jesse's still around. And, oh, and we also find out something very interesting. They had heard that Jesse was going, was going to Alaska. And that implied to me that before Jesse took that, was going to take that minivan trip with uh, Ed or Robert Forrester or the vacuum cleaner guy, whatever we want to call him. Yeah. Him smoking pot wasn't the only thing he wasn't supposed to do that he did. Because Jesse does a lot of things he's not supposed to do. He apparently let it be known to somebody that he was taking a trip to Alaska. He was leaving for Alaska. Because how mm-hmm. else would they have known that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. But they're kind of happy in the back of the car. But Walt does not look happy. <laughs> and he just, uh, you know, takes off and dr- drives off at that point. And then we go to commercial. I was kind of sad that he um, was you know, that his anger was simmering again like that about Jesse because he jumped to the conclusion, of course, naturally, that um, Jack didn't kill Jesse and, you know, Jesse's like happily cooking and whatever. And right. <sighs> Yeah, that that's an interesting point and I think that will be something we want to, I think we're going to have a big discussion about later on in the podcast because I, yeah. I, I think that, that Walt, as far as Walt's perception of Jesse and his connect and what he's been doing as far as the neo-Nazis are concerned is open to debate because since it's never expressly said, we can, we choose to interpret things based on the look of an actor or what's in his eyes or something. So I, I'm, I find it kind of fascinating because I know when I watched it one time, I thought one way. And then when I watched it again, I thought something totally different. And I, and I like the fact that it is open to interpretation. Because, so no one's wrong about it. It works mm-hmm. either way. It's on how you choose to perceive the character and their motivations. So. 
Although there is a uh, a statement by Gilligan that firms up one notion of how this actually plays out. He what? he's he's come down on exactly what the end is, what the end game with Walt and Jesse was, and we'll okay. talk about it when he comes. So we'll have you can let us know that before we get into any conversation about it, because that way, if it drives makes everything else moot, then I won't bother saying anything. <laughs> and say and save we'll us save about some time. Save us well, if you'd like, I, I can tell you now. Yeah, because yeah. if it, it fits in now, then yeah. it, it, uh, he, the writers decided that what they were going for at the end was the Searchers, the John Wayne film, where oh. Natalie Wood is um, taken in with Apaches and Wayne is out to kill her, um, whereas Jeffrey Jeffrey. Was it Hunter? Yeah, that's it. Uh, I... Jeffrey Hunter is, is like, no, you won't. Uh-uh. And all this time, Wayne is like intending on killing her. And then by the time the end of the movie comes along, he decides that he's going to save her. Right. Yeah, he did. He did talk about that on Talking Bad. So I did see that. I think and, and obviously what he says goes because, you know, he is the creator. He is the writer and director. Whatever. I kind of, I think I was kind of taking, God help me, I was kind of taking a look, I was looking at kind of like Ridley Scott and Blade Runner, mm-hmm. where, where Ridley Scott insists on... Well, he's something. insane. Yeah, because what he insists <laughs> on, most fans of that movie are like, no. Because his, I mean, spoilers for Ridley Scott's opinion about his own movie, Ridley Scott's contention is that Harrison Ford's character, Deckard, does turn out to be an android as well. And I'm like, no, no. Yeah, no. No, and, and even when you added that annoying little bit of uh, the the unicorn crap in the, in the re-edit or whatever, it, that didn't make any. It didn't help any. It didn't make your point any more clear. He's not an android, but that's what Ridley Scott believes. And one can say, well, he's a director. You know, like, no, well, look at what George Lucas has done to that, you know, franchise. So sometimes I don't care what. The but I don't think says. this is as far off base as that contention. No, absolutely, no, absolutely, you're absolutely right, and I I did think of the searchers a little bit and when he said it in the in the uh, talking bad i was like oh that's right i mean i didn't think i didn't think the searchers it just reminded me of something and when he said it, I was like oh that's where he's going again another western so there you go mm-hmm. it's so, also you know like like I, I think what you're getting at as well scott is that no matter what the director or the writer or you know whether it's tv film book whatever it, it's art well, as long as it is art, not everything is, but as long as it is art, it's open to interpretation. It's open to interpretation, mm-hmm. exactly. Unless you I mean, seek out all these answers, it's right. what you see is what you get. And yeah. what, you, what you feel about it when you see it, that's what stands. Right. I mean, there's been a lot of things that we've seen in TVs and films where we choose to interpret things based on a look. Mm-hmm. And then we find out later on the actor wasn't given specific direction that just happened to be the look that they chose. And we telegraph whatever it is we're thinking the character is thinking. I have a certain TV show in mind, but I swear to myself, I'm not going to bring it up. So I'm not going to use it. We, we but, can bring up an example from a previous episode of Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah, with, yeah, let's do when, that. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> baby Holly? Well, Baby <laughs> Holly or when, when Todd took the sip from, the, from Lydia's teacup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That was something the, the actor did. It yeah. wasn't in the script. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a moment. But it, 
it was chosen it in was, the editing room as something to be in in the shot. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think for me, the, the biggest moment like that will be, uh, and we'll get to that when I forget who's seen it, is because there's a, there's a huge moment which is nothing but a look between characters. Well, there's actually two moments like that. Yeah, and uh, you, it's up to you to decide what is on the minds of those characters because there's no, there's no narration, there's no voiceover, yeah. there's no internal thoughts. You choose to believe either Dexter. No, this is fucking Dexter. Thank you very much. There wasn't a ghost of Hank over there telling him what to do. Oh Lord! Oh my gosh, that would be fun. Getting to this, this is one of the reasons I don't read your recap, Scott, because I know we're going to be talking about it on Tuesday. So, you know, it's one of those deals where, like, I'd like to talk to you about it without knowing what your opinion is. But just think, for the rest of this week, you have all those blogs you could be reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you won't be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually gotten it live. It's, it's even better this way, right? The, the blogs are better. <laughs> they're, my, they're, they're considerably better. So when we come out of commercial, if we can get, let's get back to this, um, we see Jesse Woodworking. And he's making that elegant wooden box that we heard him talk about in that group therapy session way back when. You know, he's carefully sanding it down and treating the wood and he's smelling it. And it's, it, and it's shot in these, you know, beautiful golden light, like something out of a beer commercial or something. It's, it's, very, it's very sweet and idyllic. Beer then, commercial, sweet and idyllic. That's funny. I was well, about to ask you, like, what kind of filter that was, because yeah, it was. The episode was, was Kafka esque. I, I, <laughs> I was thinking of one of those old Michelob Light or Bud commercials where it's all taking place on a farm and it's all like, you know. On the previous podcast, I went with a breakfast cereal thing, so maybe I should have said that. Anyway, let me move on. <laughs> oh, caught up on details. So, and as Jesse turns around, we discover that this is just a little daydream he's having, whether it be a memory or not. And he's still in the meth lab, you know, tethered to that cable. And he looks pretty bad. You know, he's shaggy haired. He's still he's, he's bruised and scarred from, you know, months of mistreatment, I'm sure. Uh, whether he's put on weight due to ice cream, I'm not sure. I wasn't paying that much close attention. But the one thing I forgot my ice cream. The one thing you can be sure of is that this is what his life has been for the last several months. Yeah. Uh, when we cut away from Jesse, we now know we are finally up to the scenes of the flash forwards. So they do some quick cutting here. So we see certain key moments from those flash forwards. We see Walt put putting the 52 together with bacon at the Denny's. Um, we see him looking at the M60 rifle in the trunk of his new car. And then we see Walt removing the rice and vial from that outlet in, in the former white house, white house. I hate saying that. <laughs> and, but as he's walking through the living room and he's walking by that wall where Heisenberg has been spray painted across it, then we get something a little different because he pauses there and this was a, a little 15-second flashback that I personally was very happy to see uh, due to previous podcast comments I've made. <laughs> oh here we yeah. are. Yeah, you know, I, I got a crow, got a crow, got a crow. Because oh, the little 15 seconds we see, it's from the pilot. 
It's from, it's from that moment where Hank has put the TV on at Walt's 50th birthday party. And they're watching the piece about Hank's big crystal meth bust. It's the moment when Walt gets the idea to get involved in the whole meth business to begin with. And the fact that it was his 50th birthday party, and we also know that as of today, it's his 52nd birthday, we know it's exactly two years later. So the fact he would be remembering a birthday party while he's standing in his own living room does make total sense, and that would be a memory he would have where this all started. And so it's I, specifically the moment where he tells him, hey, if you ever want to go on a ride-along. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, I, I loved <laughs> having that scene in there. And I know that uh, you know I've seen some other people out there commenting that they would have preferred it not be in there, but I thought it was just perfectly placed and made excellent sense and was emotional. You know, we saw Hank again and Mm -hmm. we saw them back then. And, and, you know, the moment that the innocence started to go away and. Right. And we saw young RJ. Right. And, and, And we've, we've talked several times on these podcasts about the show coming full circle. So having a, having a moment, which was exceedingly brief, um, of where it all started, at least as far as the show is concerned, and knowing we were that much closer to the end, I thought was a really nice kind of a full circle kind of moment for the show as well. So, yeah. I, I hardly so, endorsed it. So, Yeah, something I, I haven't brought up before because it's, it, it's just dorky and it's just me, but I have to bring it up now because it keeps <laughs> happening. Every time there is something like that, the full circle thing, maybe actually I think I brought it up to Susan one day, but like in a text or a private message or something, the Peter Gabriel song, Blood of Eden, comes to mind, just the one line, and we end where we began. And it, it hmm. just, the, that I hear him singing it, and it keeps happening. I, I just love that about this show that it's not just full circle, but it, it really does. I mean, it is, but it, it goes back exactly to where it started. It, it ends there. We had that happen um, with the fading out RV scene. Um, was that just in the episode before this? Was that the beginning of Granite State or beginning of Ozymandias? Ozymandias. I don't Thank Ozymandias. you. It just all blends in at this point. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that again, dippy, but it that it keeps coming to mind. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, but next thing we know, we're back at the Grove Cafe. We see Lydia wheeling that little luggage trolley of hers, and she's meeting Todd. Now it's interesting that, unlike before, they're no longer doing the sitting back to back thing. I guess Todd has made it to the next level where he actually gets to sit <laughs> at the table with her. Um, we learn that Todd is as socially awkward as ever, where he has a problem even understanding the difference between a shirt and a blouse when he's trying to compliment the color blue. Uh, Meanwhile, she's ordering her usual chamomile tea with soy milk, and you see her playing with the packet of stevia that's, you know, at the table, which is something we've seen pretty much every time we've seen Lydia in this establishment and, and, and other places as well. So... At this point, we've also, you know, noticed that Walt is sitting off in the distance, and he pulls a chair over to them. Now, Todd doesn't quite react. He does look around to make to see if anyone has noticed this, but he doesn't have the look of shock or surprise you'd expect he would. Lydia, on the other hand, 
she's more than a little startled. You know, she wants to get up, she wants to get out of there, but you know, Walt is trying to calm her down. He's trying to tell her that he's figured out that they must be running out of methylamine at this point. You know, he's done the math. Mm-hmm. But he has a proposal for a new method that requires no methylamine. Now, Lydia seems to be interested, but I think she, it seems like she's more interested in how he knew that she would be there in the first place. And he points out the fact that, you know, she's a creature of habit. It's 10 a.m. Tuesday morning. She's rather schedule oriented. That's where he always met her. So, and this, again, is very important to that character and what eventually happens. That she's oh she's very she's a creature of habit. Let's just leave it at that. So Todd, oh yeah, excuse me. Walt starts having a little bit of a coughing fit, and he apologizes. And then he says he, he basically he needs the money. Todd he starts to decline, but Lydia asks him how much is this going to cost, and he points out that it'll be at least a million, and she thinks you know Todd's uncle should hear about this you know despite Todd's death. So Walt. Walt is eager to agree to that. He says to Todd that he can meet with Jack and the crew tonight. It's going to be a win-win situation, he says. (laughs) Now, at that point, the waiter comes over. Lydia has served her tea. And she pretty much dismisses Walt at that point. And he leaves. And once he leaves, it's very clear that Todd, and especially Lydia, have no intention of doing business with Walt. It's also clear that she wants Walt to be dealt with just the way she always wants her problems dealt with. And Todd, for his credit, this is one of the few, if only times, he looks he looks genuinely upset about something. He's dismayed. He doesn't want to kill the guy that he admires and respects all this time. But Lydia points up, did you see how he looked? We'd be doing him a favor. And then the camera kind of lingers on, you know, an overhead shot of that T and the stevia being poured into it and swirling and being mixed in. And I'm going to say most people kind of figured out what happened at that point. If you're paying attention, I think he kind of knew. I don't think there was any surprises at this point. Everybody, 90% of the people were predicting this, 90% of the people were right. <laughs> so, and then we go to commercial once again. When we come back from commercial, we're out in the desert. And Walt is... He's half humming, half singing. It's that same song, um, El Paso by Marty Robbins. And he's working on this weird little automated contraption, which, you know, it's like it's rotating back and forth. And he's using the car keys remote um, to turn it on and off. And when we see the rifle and the manual right nearby, we realize this is some elaborate device he's devising that's going to be part of the you know, the final denouement of those neo-Nazis, most likely. But as he's leaning over, that wedding ring that he had tied around his neck, it, it, it comes out from his shirt. It's dangling in front of him. And, it's a, he, you know, he puts it back, but at that moment he realizes there's something else he needs to do. But then we cut to we're in a house, and the way I phrase it, it's an unfamiliar house with very familiar and horrible paintings on the wall. <laughs> you see those familiar scary images of Skylar and and Walter Jr. on the wall. I did notice that Walt is no longer on the the Mm -hmm. wall, so they're not keeping any scary pictures of their scary father there. And we hear the phone ringing, and instead of hearing Skylar's voice as the voicemail, we just hear an automated message picking up. And then we hear Marie's voice saying, 
you know, truce. All right, I have news about Walt. And then we see Skylar is sit- sitting at the kitchen table, and she picks up the phone. And as last time we saw Skylar, she's smoking. And Marie tells Skylar that Walt's back in town. And Skylar does not react in any way surprised or shocked. She just says, yeah, which might be a little bit of a hint of what's to come shortly thereafter. But Marie continues, to, continues on about the information about Walt that the the authorities found the car that he stole from New Hampshire in a Denny's parking lot. And Skylar's neighbor, whose name she can't seem to get straight, it's Becky, it's Carol, it's Carol, it's Becky, saw Walt and Walt was just plain as day, you know, just said hello and happened to look like the Unabomber. <laughs> and she also says something which I thought was kind of interesting. It's something I kept in mind later in the episode. She mentioned that the police had gotten several calls from at least two, possibly three different people that were giving them these false reports about Walt being in town, saying he might he was going to blow up City Hall, they had a manifesto, he wanted to be on the 6 o'clock news. It seemed to be part of some elaborate plan to perhaps scatter the police around so they wouldn't be able to you know, focus and keep track of where he might actually be. Uh, I just think that might be something that's of a little bit importance for the tail end of this episode. Now, when I when I heard that, I was thinking, well, maybe that's something that he paid um, Badger and Skinny Pete to make some calls. Too. It's absolutely what I thought, and I think that's what happens with something else, and okay. in the, in the closing minutes of the episode. Okay, because it's the only explanation I can come up with with something that happens in the closing. Minutes okay, the yeah, yeah. So Marie also fills her in that the police are watching both of their houses as well as the high school. Because that's what Hank would have done. Which is kind of sad. And she's pretty positive that Walt is going to be caught. And even now, after everything that's happened, she still mocks the very idea that Walt's a criminal mastermind. She just calls him an arrogant asshole. And although I didn't under although I, I, I kind of gave her a little flack when I was watching it, after the last day or so I realized she's perfectly right to say that because she's furious at this man. Of course she's not going to give him any sort of level of respect or credit for being a mastermind. He is an asshole as far as she's concerned. So I totally got that. Mm-hmm. Even beyond, because she still believes that he's the one who killed Hank and Gomez, I guess. Right, right, right. So at that point, um, their phone call is pretty much finished and Skylar hangs up. Well, I have one more quick thing to say about that it, it over at marie's house all the purple is gone oh, oh. i didn't notice that yeah. i know i noticed that she wa- she wasn't wearing purple of any kind mm-hmm. i figured i figured she just was now using that wardrobe on the michael j fox show <laughs> but because uh, in the first scene of that she's wearing purple which is probably the funniest thing on that show uh, okay but uh oh wow i didn't realize i didn't even occur to me that nothing in that kitchen is purple wow wow yeah yeah cool. So, sad. I know she's she's sad, and she, so she's taken away all of her happy purple. Aww. I know. So. Actually, and just real quick with her calling <laughs> Walt a, an arrogant asshole for someone who, considering that she believes that that he murdered her husband, um, I thought that those words weren't very strong at all. Um, I hadn't considered it the way you were just saying, Scott, that she just, you know, is refusing to give him 
respect, you know, of, of criminal mastermind. And, and I like that view of it. Um, at the time, I was thinking that it was just sort of weird that she wasn't saying something even worse about him. But it is Marie, and I think that probably was pretty strong for her. So. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I also think that they already used up two fucks for the season, so I don't know if they could have put a third <laughs> one in. No. <laughs> they already, they already yeah. broke their rule. So. Yeah. yeah. 